Hello and welcome to this episode of the Alternative Frequencies podcast from the Lebanese Center for Policy Studies here in Beirut, Lebanon. My name is Ali Taha and I'm a researcher here at LCPS. Today's podcast is titled A Generation Lebanon Cannot Afford to Lose. With me is Dr. Fadi Nicholas Nassar, who will address the alarming state of vulnerability and alienation of youth in Lebanon and unpack some key concerns and priorities of a generation at such a critical juncture in Lebanon's history. Dr. Nassar is the director of the Institute of Social Justice and Conflict Resolution and assistant professor of political science and international affairs at the Lebanese American University and a fellow here at LCPS. So again, I welcome you, Dr. Nassar, and allow me to kickstart this conversation by asking you to describe to us the particular context of Lebanon's youth today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, and thank you for putting a spotlight on such a timely and critical theme. The collapse of Lebanon's financial and economic system, in addition to the breakdown of core public services, has really exacerbated the vulnerability of youth and put them in a state of acute crisis. This adverse environment has produced two seemingly contrasting developments. On a collective level, youth appear largely alienated from the political system, demonstrating minimal confidence and trust in the political process, elections, and formal public institutions. Yet, on another, organized elements among youth have participated at multiple levels of university, syndicate, and parliamentary elections. In other words, as representatives, campaigners, organizers, advisors, and such. Lebanon is at a critical juncture, where either the underlying drivers of the country's crisis will entrench themselves, or they will be undone. And youth are at the heart of that. On one hand, the country is torn by multiple crises, all of which youth are particularly vulnerable to. Youth, for example, struggle with unemployment, depression, a loss in core services. These have an accumulated effect at such a formative moment in their lives. This can feed into despair, drive youth to reconsider their choice to invest their future in the country. But crises can also ignite righteous anger, motivating elements, especially organized elements, to want to subvert the injustices they experience. Thank you, Dr. Nassar. Could you tell us a bit more about the poll you conducted on Lebanon's youth prior to the elections and its relevance today? Sure. The poll was Beirut-based and took place in April, shortly before the parliamentary elections. Now, the sample included 500 respondents of electors registered in Beirut. So the sample is divided among both electoral districts, Beirut 1 and Beirut 2, and equally represents both men and women aged between 21 and 29. It also includes, obviously, youth from different religious and social backgrounds, based off, again, those electoral roles of Beirut 1 and Beirut 2. But just so I'm clear, this is not representative of all Lebanon, it's Beirut-based, but it offers important insight on some patterns in youth perspectives that seem to match other polls. In any case, always as a researcher, I like to be clear, we need to be careful with how we use such data and not misrepresent what's in front of us. So what are some of the key youth priorities and concerns you've observed? Yeah, it's a great question. So what was interesting is when we broke down priorities and concerns between Beirut 1 and Beirut 2, we saw some discrepancies. We basically asked our respondents what would they list as their priorities, asking them whether it's the economic collapse, poor services, weak institutions, 
sovereignty challenges, weapons outside state institutions, a lack of common values and goals, a lack of accountability, and sectarian politics. And what we saw is that in Beirut 1, the economic collapse was definitely a priority. Same with Beirut 2, right? So for both, we saw that really taking a heavy weight. But we also saw that sovereignty challenges were the second priority for Beirut 1, right, at a high level, whereas lack of accountability and poor services seem to play a larger part in Beirut too. I think that's an interesting sort of distinction between the two. But when it comes down to these core priorities, we definitely see, especially when we talk about the economic collapse, poor services, and a lack of accountability, those being some core themes, with sovereignty being particularly a higher priority in Beirut 1 than Beirut 2. Another aspect when we design surveys, all right, I, I want to really impress this on those listening. It's not, we look at many different metrics. And one of the core questions when we speak about concerns is their vulnerability. We asked our respondents, has your household had to take any of these adverse economic measures like reducing food consumption, skipping meals, canceling health insurance? We saw, for example, 55.4% of these youth respondents had reduced food consumption, an alarming rate. We also saw striking levels, 46.6% postponed or skipped doctor visits after falling ill. Why I'm drawing your attention to this is, again, it speaks to that, that vulnerability and why economic concerns are so important. For example, when we asked our respondents, what are some of those core economic issues they want to see a new government prioritize? The number one priority was rising unemployment, currency devaluation, and basic services. We're talking about youth age 21 to 29. Regarding some of the social issues, the major social issue that they brought up was unemployment. The second one, access to affordable foodstuff. 22.1% listed that as their top priority and access to healthcare. I mean, these are very striking and alarming figures when we speak about their top social issues. And I'll repeat them just to emphasize unemployment, access to affordable foodstuff and access to healthcare. Conversely, the civil code, for example, only 0.8% as the top priority. And I think it really speaks right, to that crisis context and the sort of weight and gravity it has over a country. Thanks a lot, Nick, for uh, such insights. But aside from voting, are there any notable ways youth are participating in the country's political process? Youth have been instrumental at all levels of the political process. They were on the streets during the Thoda. They were recording, galvanizing other actors, whether older actors, fellow young actors, throughout the later stages of the uprising. So the ebbs and the flows, the different stages that we've seen and phases of Lebanon's very difficult crisis and the social reactions to it. They also played an important role in organizing, setting up campaigns during the more formalized stages of what we can call anti-establishment politics. That means they helped participate and play a leading role, not just participate, but leading role in these campaigns for the syndicate elections, for the university elections, and in the parliamentary elections. And something I just want to impress on our audience is how important they have been in disrupting the narrative that Lebanon's crisis is inevitable, how important they have been at pushing back against collective despair 
And we've seen that, and not in a partisan way, but we've seen that in the way that they have won and played an instrumental role in winning core elections. So for example, for those who might have not followed, there was a lull, there was a period where, yes, we saw core victories, for example, in the port in the Beirut Bar Association, but then it was followed by a loss. But we also saw youth play an important role in campaigning to see victories in other syndicate elections that again helped dispel the narrative that the political process would always be guaranteed for certain actors. And that particularly became true in these parliamentary elections, where we saw these youth actors as organizers, campaigners, play an instrumental role. And for those who are interested beyond anti-establishment politics, youth play a role across the board. They are actively campaigning. Indeed, it has been really important for the youth to have such a level of participation in all of these events. And their role was pretty consequential at every juncture since the start of the crisis. So, Dr. Nasser, how would you assess the level of confidence of youth in their government to lead them out of this crisis? So let me start by answering that question by looking back, how they assessed the government's responsibility during the crisis, and then take you to where they stand regarding their confidence on a new government. Now, when we asked our respondents about the government of Lebanon's response since 29, overwhelming majority, above 50%, had a negative response. Around 48.8% framed it as not good at all, and 28.2% as not good. Conversely, only 0.6% said very good and 5.8% good. Striking figures. When we asked them about the Port of Beirut blast, again, overwhelming pattern where we see a very negative assessment of the government's handling of the Port of Beirut blast. When we turn towards a new government leading them out of crisis, we saw, again, overwhelming majority, 55% of respondents had no trust, no confidence in a new government to lead them out of this crisis. 25.8% had a little trust. Trust to a certain extent, so you could think of a minor degree of trust, 11.2%. Conversely, those who have full trust, 3.4%. And just so I may help the audience, you know, whenever we speak about statistics, it can be a bit lost. In comparison, 4.2% didn't know. So when you look at full trust versus those who don't know, that just shows you really the limited confidence of full confidence, at least, these respondents in the government of Lebanon leading them out of this crisis. Very striking insights. Let us conclude on this note. Why does this all matter? What are the implications of the alienation and vulnerability of Lebanon's youth? Well, I think the simple answer is always that youth are the future. And I want to perhaps let the data speak for itself instead of me coloring it. We asked our respondents if they wanted to permanently emigrate. More than 60% said yes. Yes, for economic and political reasons, right, was the majority of respondents. So it's not just about the economic crisis, but that mix of economic and political drivers. Really close behind was yes for economic reasons. It's a striking figure when you bring it together. Only 15.8% of our respondents said no, they are not thinking of emigrating. And what such massive desire for emigration signals is a loss of confidence in investing their future. And we need to think of youth as sovereign decision makers who have to make tough decisions. Are they going to spend their formative years in an environment where they must face struggles with limited options? 
And I think this figure tells us strikingly, it's a very alarming figure, and it really matches a lot of other data we are seeing, not just about youth emigration, but emigration in general, and about the really detrimental state of the social contract here in Lebanon. Thanks a lot, Dr. Nassar. Here we reached the end of uh, our interview. I would like to thank you, Dr. Nassar, and thank our listeners. We hope you'll join us again for the next installment of Alternative Frequencies from the Lebanese Center for Policy Studies. Until then, stay safe and goodbye.